We'll take your Bibles. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33 today. Exodus chapter 33. Been asking this question in a series called Dangerous Prayers. We've been asking this question, how's your prayer life going? And I want to ask you again today, how's your prayer life going? My prayer throughout this series is that God would raise the temperature of prayer in your own personal life. In your personal journey with God, in your relationship with Almighty God, that you would you would see the your your prayer life um, just 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 go up a couple of notches, you know. Maybe for some of you, this is brand new for you. Prayer is not something that was a regular habit or a regular discipline in your life. It was you know you were you were one of those um, you know when when all else failed, you cried, God help me, and that's the only prayer you ever prayed. Maybe today you've been a prayer warrior for many, many years, but you've got into a rut. You've got, off, you've got off track. You feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And you just need God to re-engage with you. And you need to re-engage with God. Wherever you are in your prayer life, my prayer is that this series would help you to say, Lord, help me to raise the temperature. But raising the temperature is not just an individual experience. Raising the temperature of prayer is also a corporate experience. Because I believe prayer has power when you pray together. The Bible says where two or three come together and you pray in the name of Jesus. By the way, that's really, really important because we're not praying in our authority. We don't have any authority, but we're praying in the authority that comes from God Almighty through Jesus Christ who makes access to the Father through the Son. Amen. And that's why we pray in his name. But when you pray together... And that's why our small groups are so important. What I love about our small group ministry, it's not just about studying. It's about growing together. It's about praying together. It's about praying for one another. It's about being in an environment where you have brothers and sisters who are there with you praying. And that's awesome. I think even our our World Vision team prays. Did you know that, Kaylee? They pray together. And they pray together before they run. They gather together, I think, on Saturday mornings. And they have prayer together before they go out and train together. I mean, there's nothing like doing something together. And I believe that prayer is a lot like that. The Bible tells us in James 5, 16, it says this. The prayer of a righteous man, and could I just include the righteous women here too, amen? I think it's inclusive. The prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman is powerful and effective. The prayer of a person who has a personal relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ, who's walking in grace, who is seeking to live that, 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 that way of everlasting that we talked about last week, is powerful and effective. And one of the things that I've learned about prayer in my own prayer life is that before, God, before my prayers change anybody else, they change me. They change me. You see, sometimes we turn prayer into our, and God into our little genie to do what we want him to do. But prayer is an intimate relationship with Almighty God. It's the, it's the other side of reading God's word where God is speaking to you and God is, you're listening, but you are talking back to the Lord. And God wants your prayer life to be something that transforms you as you spend time with him. 
in relationship, your life is radically changed. And you become much more effective in your praying when you realize that it is a relationship with him. And he wants to do something incredible in your life. Today I want to teach you a principle of prayer that I think that is found in our scripture this morning. It's the, the prayer of intercession. Some of you are, are, understand what an intercessor is, but to intercede means to come in between. Interceding means you are coming in between your, someone else and God. You are interceding on their behalf. The intercessor is one who comes in between God and those for whom the intercessor is praying. This week, I know many of you have been praying in interceding on behalf of a young man who graduated from Olive Knowles Christian School, Presley. Presley had a terrible accident here at a birthday party in Bakersfield where he fell off of a golf cart and landed on his head and split it wide open. And since then, he's had a very serious brain injury. And it's been, it's, been, it's been a rather horrendous journey for their family and those who love, who love uh, Presley. And because of the prayers of God's people, they feel encouraged. They feel strengthened. They feel loved. They feel like they're not in this alone. Because not only people here in Olive Knowles have been praying for Presley, but there have been prayers all across this city and across this nation and even across this world for Presley. And we're going to continue to pray for Presley. But Presley cannot pray for himself right now. But guess what? You can pray for Presley. You can stand there on his behalf and to pray for him. And that's an intercessor. <coughs> an intercessor is somebody who engages in the work, engages in the, in the discipline of bringing to God the needs and concerns and spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs, relational needs of somebody else. It may be somebody who can't pray. It may be somebody who doesn't even want to pray. It may be somebody that is far away from God and is, is just living their own life for themselves. It may be somebody who is going through a crisis in their life and they need the support of a godly family around them. But intercessory prayer is essential and is a gift that God has given to us. You can actually participate in his kingdom coming by praying. It is, a, it is a wonderful gift from the Lord. We find intercessory prayer all throughout the scripture. We find, for example, the very first example in the, in the book of Genesis is Abraham. Abraham was there with Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, that wicked place. And, God, and Abraham said to the Lord, if you find, you know, um, X amount of people, 100 people who love God, will you still bring judgment? And God says, no, I won't. And he says, well, let me, let me bring it up. And he says, well, if you find 90 people, will you, will you not bring judgment on them? And, he, and God says, no, okay, because you prayed and asked, no, I won't. And it goes all the way down to 10 people. And he intercedes on behalf of the wicked people of Sodom. And Gomorrah. And he prays on behalf of them. And there are times in your life where you are praying on behalf of those who are going in the wrong direction and doing the wrong things. Who have want nothing to do with the Lord at all. And you pray for them. You intercede. There's the example of Job. In Job chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Job actually interceded for his own family. 
And this is what Job did. He actually had a practice where he would offer prayers and sacrifices on behalf of his family. He would pray on behalf of his family. Here's what Job would say to, his, say to God. God, I don't know if my family sinned against you, but if they have, I'm praying for them and I'm interceding for them and I'm going to sacrifice on their behalf because they might not do it. And some of you I know have children right now that are deep in your heart, that hurt you deeply, and who are not walking with the Lord. God hears your prayers on their behalf. And his grace and his power is poured out upon them because you are standing in the gap. And you want them to come to the place where they'll begin to pray for their own prayers and their own sins and confess their own sins before the Lord, but they're not doing it. You can do it for them. That's an intercessor. That's somebody who intercedes. And then probably the greatest example that we're going to look at today is Moses. Moses, if you look at the story of, or the life of Moses... All throughout the book of Exodus especially, you will discover that there are prayers by Moses. And you know what prayer Moses does? Moses is the great intercessor of the Old Testament. He prays and prays and prays, and he is called by God to intercede on behalf of the people who were in slavery in Egypt. And God raises him up and says, I'm going to use you, Moses, to lead my people out of wickedness and out of slavery. I have heard the cries of God's people. I've heard their misery, and I'm calling you. Remember the story in the burning bush where Moses hears the, verse, hears the voice of the Lord? And, God, and Moses begins to take that call of God on his life, the responsibility on his life of caring for this nation and he begins to pray for them over and over and over again. There are times when that nation was, was so wicked and they were doing things directly against God. And God was ready to pour out his judgment on them. And Moses would step in and go, no God, don't do it. Remember? You gave him a promise. Remember, your reputation is on the line. Remember, don't, don't relent, oh God. And what did God do? He relents. He does not bring judgment on them. And so Moses is the great example. And he really gives us a prayer in Exodus chapter 33 that is a dangerous prayer. And I want to share that prayer with you. It's one of many that are found in the book of Exodus. But it's a prayer that I believe will help you to pray as an intercessor. To pray intercessory prayers on behalf of others. So take your Bibles. Let's go to Exodus 33, starting at verse number 12. And let's read down to the end of the chapter, okay? Verse 12 through verse 23. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Verse 12. Now we're, gonna, we're jumping in the middle of a chapter, so I'm going to give you the background here in a moment. But I want you to see the prayer. Moses said to the Lord, so Moses is praying here. Moses said to the Lord, anytime you say to the Lord, you are talking to God. That's prayer, okay? So Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. 
You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked. Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For no one may see me and live. And then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. God, thank you for their word today. Speak to us today about showing us your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, let me give you a little bit of the backdrop here of this prayer. Because Moses is praying this prayer after he goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from God. He goes up on the mountain. Most of you are familiar with that story. If you're not familiar with that story, go back to Exodus and read the story of Moses going up on the mountain. And he goes up on the mountain. And while he's up there receiving the Ten Commandments, the first time, by the way, not the second time, but the first time, while he's up there, the people are down at the base of the mountain with Aaron, and they get impatient. And they begin to create a false idol, what is called a golden calf. They build this golden calf to God, and God begins to, as he's up there, giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, um, stops Moses and says, Moses, what are your people doing down there? Look at them. They are making a mockery out of my name. They are making an idol, and God gets angry with them. He calls the people a stiff-necked people, stubborn people, A people that still have not relying completely upon the Lord. And Moses is shocked by this. He's like, he's, I can imagine, I don't know if I was, if I was Moses, it'd be like, yeah, God, they are a bunch of stiff-necked people, and they do deserve judgment, so go ahead and judge them. You know, I'm probably you felt that way about some people that you've been praying for. You're like, oh, are they so dumb they continue to do that? But instead, Moses asked God for grace. He asked for mercy. He asked for another chance. And God says to him, okay, I'll do that. But then Moses says, it says this. It says, 
go up to the land. He says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But he says, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. In other words, God says, okay, Moses, I am going to give, I'm going to allow the nation of Israel to go into the promised land like, they, like I really want them. The land that I promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. A land flowing with milk and honey. But here's the deal. They're a bunch of stick-necked people. I'm not going with them. I'm going to send them. They're going to be successful at it. I'll maybe even, you know, send my angels before them. But I am not going to go with them. They are stiff-necked. And in this situation, Moses begins to realize, uh-oh, we are in trouble. God's people are in trouble. I am in trouble. And the scripture says that he comes down from the mountain and that he goes to the tent of meeting in prayer. Now the tent of meeting was a tent that was set up outside of the camp all by itself and people would go to the tent of the meeting to pray. Now, you and I don't need to go to a church to pray. You can pray anywhere, anytime. But in that day and time, there was a designated place, a designated tent in a designated place for people to go pray. It was available for anybody to go pray. But Moses was the one who frequent the prayer tent. He was the one who would go to the prayer tent. And he would pray. And every time Moses would go and pray, the people would take notice. Because God always met Moses. We find this right before the prayer. We find this instance in 33 verses 9 through 11. It says, as Moses went into the tent, this is the, the tent of meeting. You'll find that explanation, by the way, in verse number 7. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away and called it the tent of meeting. Okay, so this is like a this is like a primary location. That's why you know Pastor Diane has a room that's set up as a battle room of prayer. She has a location. You should have a location that you go and meet with God regularly. It might be your it might be a specific chair in your house. It might be a closet in your house. It may be a specific porch in your house. But you find a regular place with your Bible with the Lord that you go on a regular place to go and pray. This is a good, healthy um, discipline that you should develop in your own life. He had a tent of meeting that he sent up. And as Moses went to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So physically, there was a cloud. It was like a, it was a big old cloud that came over and indwelled that tent. Every time Moses went to pray, the Lord would come and meet them there. And the people would know that God is meeting Moses because the presence of God was visible by a cloud. Okay? By a cloud. And it says, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, what did they do? They stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tents. So they would stand there and go, oh no, something big's going on here. Something miraculous is going on. God is meeting with our leader, Moses. Remember, he's the one that God's called to lead them out of slavery and out of bondage. He's the one that led them through the sea. 
He's the one that they've saw all of the wonderful miracles through the, through the, through the, through the plagues that happened along the way. So, so they worshiped the Lord, each at the tendency. So they're all standing there watching this, and they're praising God. God is there. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. In other words, this is a phrase that says God had an intimate, personal relationship with, with Moses. They were on a friendship basis. And by the way, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you call yourself a Christian, God does not treat you as a slave. He treats you as a friend. I am a friend of God's. God is my friend, not in the sense that I can just, you know, use and abuse him. He's still God, but he treats me as if I am family, my friends. We are the children of the Lord, and God encourages us. But this is the type of intimate relationship that God has. It's in this context now that we have the prayer that we're going to pray this week. Here's the prayer. Lord, and I have put this prayer based on Moses' prayer. Lord, teach me to know you and to know your ways and to know your favor. Help me to walk in your presence and in your peace. Show me your glory, your power, your majesty so that my life, my life is filled with your radiance. This was the prayer that Moses prayed. He's in the tent and now we discover what he prays while he's there with the Lord. Three things I want you to see today in this intercessory prayer. Remember, Moses is not just praying for himself. He is praying on behalf of a nation. He is speaking for them on behalf of the nation. He is interceding for them. But he includes himself in that intercession. And you should too. He prays three things. First of all, he, number one, he prays, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. He says there in verse number, in verse number <coughs> 12 and 13, he says, You have been telling me, Lord, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. In other words, Moses says, I've got this great responsibility to lead this nation. You have placed this responsibility on my shoulders. And there are times, I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, I feel like, wow, the burden of pastoring is a great burden because not only do I care for myself, I care for so many others. I care for you. I pray on behalf of you, and there's many more of you and many more needs than I can possibly take care of. So I go, Lord, I can't do this job without you helping me, without you going before me. But not only is it just as for pastors, it's also for business leaders, fathers and mothers, your job, your classroom. Wherever God has placed you, where you feel like you are called to do something, there are times where you're like, Lord, I need you to first of all teach me so that I can lead properly. And so his first prayer is, Lord, he says, you know me by name. In other words, we have a relationship together. You created me. You know everything about me. He says, now he says, 
Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor. In other words, Moses' first prayer is, Lord, I not only want to know you, know about you, but I want to be on a first name basis with you on a relationship where I know your character. I know who you are and I know what drives you, what motivates you, what leads you, God. I want to know you. Yesterday at our men's breakfast, um, our speaker, Josh Shirley, was talking to the men about the difference between knowing and knowing. You know, one thing to know about, something else to know, to really know. You know, for example, you, I could say to you, I know Tom Brady. I don't really know him, but I know a lot about him. I've never met him personally. I've never talked to him. But I've read a lot about him. I've watched a lot of his games. I've watched his life. I know his ups and his downs. I know his tragedies in his life. I know his struggles that way. But I don't really know Tom Brady. But I know Jane Hardy. I know Jane Hardy so much because we have been a personal, intimate relationship with each other for almost 35 years now. And we have done life together. We have cried together. We've laughed together. We've ate together. We've dreamed together. We've made decisions together. I know her. And for the last 30, 40 years almost, I have been walking with God. And the longer I walk with him, the more that I learn about him, the more that I, that I experience him personally, the more I know his character. And I am more confident today after walking with God all these years to know this. God's will is better than my will. And that I can trust him because he's good. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's gracious. And he sees things I don't see so I can trust him. And the more that I learn from his word and the more that I walk with him and the more that, that I try the things that God says in his word in my own life and I pray, the more intimate that I get with him, the more he teaches me. And that's a journey of grace that we talk about in our life. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. And so the Lord replies to him and says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so God says, okay, it's okay, Moses. Here's the deal. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to still be on first name basis. We're going to have this intimate relationship with you. I want you to lead that people and I am going to go with you. <coughs> Notice the response that God gives to him is a response with, I will give you, my presence will go with you, singular. My presence will go with you. In other words, God says, yeah, you and I, I'm not mad at you. You haven't sinned against me. You actually have been walking in obedience with me. We have an intimate relationship with you. We just, we've been communing together in the tent of meaning. And I promise you, Moses, that I'm going to stick with you. Don't worry. But Moses is not satisfied with that. Moses' prayer goes one step further. He says, Lord, teach me to know you and to know your ways and to know your favor. God answers that prayer. But then he says to the Lord this, 
Help us to walk in your presence because notice what he says. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with. Did you catch that? Do not send us up from here. In other words, Moses says, listen, listen, it's good. I know that you know me. And I know that you're in, you're, you and I are in favor with each other. I'm in favor with you, and you have favor on me. And I know we're on a first-name basis. And I, know, and I know that you are going to continue to walk with me and show me your presence and show me your power, and you will lead and guide me. You've been faithful to me all the way back, Lord. But God, could I just say... On behalf of the nation that you have called me to lead, I need you not only to be with me, I need you to be with us. I need you to be with us. I can't do this, leading this group of people alone with just you and me. I need you to dwell in their midst. I want to make sure that if I am going to lead this nation that I have been called by you to lead and I'm going to lead them to the promised land, I don't want to go there without you being not only with me, but with all of us. You see the intercessor there? An intercessor is somebody who isn't just so selfish that their only prayer life is about themselves. They're an intercessor is somebody who says, you know what? I need you to pour your blessings and your power upon my marriage, upon my kids. I need you to pour my, upon my extended family, upon my community, upon my neighbors. I need you, God, to, to touch my church family. I need you to touch my, the schools that we're a part of. I need you to move upon our nation. I need you to move upon this world. I need to care about kids that without water on the other side of the world. God, I need your presence to go with me. He says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? See, every morning, you should get up and say, Lord, teach me your ways. I want to know you better. I want to follow you. But then, Lord, help me and my family and those who I have influence over to walk in your presence. Because, Lord, I, I really don't want to be anywhere your presence is not. I, I really don't want to go anywhere your light doesn't shine. I don't want to go anywhere or do anything without you, Lord. Is that your prayer? Is that how you enter your job on Monday morning? Is that how you go to school? Is that how you want your family? You want his presence there in a powerful way. The Bible gives us some promises. It says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's a good promise, wouldn't you say? By the way, that's God's promise to you, but it's not you could leave the Lord. You could walk away from God. God says, I'm not going to leave you, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't. He makes you follow him. 
you're following him and walking in his presence and power is a, is a choice that you make. And that's why prayer is so important in that. Jesus said it this way. He says, as surely as I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you to do. He commissions them. And then he gives them a promise at the end of that commission. And surely I will be with you as you go and do what I've called you to do. God had called Moses. And Moses is saying, Lord, I'm not going to do it without you. I can't do it in my own power, my own strength, and my own resources. I am incapable of that, oh Lord. Remember, God, he was a reluctant leader. He was a leader that says, you know what, I can't speak very well, and I can't lead very well. And God gives him a staff, and he gives him a stake, and he gives him Aaron. He gives him his power and his presence. And God uses him to, to stand against the most powerful force on earth, Pharaoh. And he watches the hand of God. Move in such a way that finally Pharaoh says, Moses and your people, you can go. And then he leads a group of people who sometimes all they did is complain, 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 complain. Disobey, disobey, disobey. And they were a hard people to leave. Yet Moses remained faithful and saying, Lord, I don't want to do it alone. We're going to do this together. Amen? We're going to do this together. Well, there's one more part of the prayer. He says, help me to walk in your presence and in your peace. But then the third part of the prayer is simply this. This is the dangerous part of the prayer. Show me your glory. I mean, he's already prayed, Lord, teach me. He'd already prayed, Lord, I need your presence. He's already had a back and forth with God about this. And then, the, then he gets audacious enough. He gets bold enough. He gets dangerous enough to say to the Lord, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. And here's what the Lord says to him. By the way, the word glory is a word that is hard for us in our language to understand. The word that probably best fits it in the English language that you use all the time is the word matter. Lord, I want you to, I want, I want your purposes to matter. I want you to show up in a physical form, in a way that is, is clear, that I can see it, touch it, believe it. I can, there is no other way than other to say, God showed up. In Vacation Bible School, we called it God sightings. And we encouraged the kids to, to have God sightings. Go home and see the hand of God in physical ways, in very tangible ways. And this is what Moses is asking God. He's saying, God, it's one thing to say your presence will be there and you'll be with us. That's great. But Lord, could I just be so audacious now, so dangerous now to say, Lord, I want you to show up in your glory. I want to show you to show up in what really matters. I want you to show up in such a way there's no other way for people to really believe, but you did it. Show me your glory. And God answers this prayer, but it's a unique answer because here's what God says. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name. The Lord in the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on those I have mercy. I will have compassion on those I will have compassion. In other words, God says, you're going to see me. My name is going to be exalted. It's going to be worshipped. It's going to be praised. It's going to be proclaimed. And today, what you hear all across the world is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over and over and over again. God answered that prayer. He not only answered a prayer through preachers, but he actually sent his one and only son to come into the world to be made known by us. And in John chapter 1, it says, your glory has been made known through a son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to proclaim. I'm going to have mercy and compassion. It's great to have world vision here. One of the things about world vision is God shows up. You want to really see the glory of the Lord? Join the world vision team for that long journey of obedience. Join a team that you've never, ever walked a marathon and say, okay, God, I don't know how we're going to do this, but one step at a time, we're going to see that. And it's not just about the journey of the steps. It's about what God is going to use you and show you through that process. He's going to show up. I've been encouraged by our World Vision team. You know why? They are faithful and obedient. And they give glory back to God. But he says to him, but you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. So God says to him, I know what you want to show all of you, but if I showed all of, all of me to you, you couldn't even survive. So here's the deal, Moses. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Because you and I are on first name basis and because I love you and you love me and because we're walking in relationship with each other and I really want to show you my amazing glory. Here's what he says to him. There is a place near me where you will stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Here's what I believe with all my heart. This, this, this picture of Moses and God is one of those pictures that I've, I have spent a great deal of time thinking about. And I don't think I fully get it yet. But here's what I know. There have been times in my life where I have prayed audacious, dangerous prayers, prayers that, 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 that without God showing up, things were not going to change. And during that process of praying for the glory of God to show up, 
for what really matters, whether it was healing, whether it was a marriage transformation, whether it was a financial need, whether it was starting a brand new ministry in a church, whether it was a camp that the kids were going to or a ministry that was happening or a revival service or what happened on Sunday morning, I say, God, we can go through this and go through all of this, but God, if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen, oh Lord. Because I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I don't have anything to really make things different. But you do, God. And here's what the Lord has done so many times. I've seen a glimpse. I've seen the back of God. I go, oh, there, there it is. There it is. There it is. And I see God working and working and working and working and working. I see God moving and moving and moving. And, and, and I go, okay, God, I want more. I need more. I need more, God. So, so God, keep going. I'm going to keep praying. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And he goes more and more and more. And one of the things that happens to a righteous person who is walking with the Lord effectively in prayer is that the more you pray, the more you see. And the more you pray, the more you see. And the more glory comes. And the more glory comes. But could I just tell you, you're never going to see all the glory until one day you stand face to face with God, face to face, and you see him. There's a picture of that in the end of the Bible. But there's more and more to see, especially as you intercede on your knees, doing the work of prayer on behalf of others. Lord, they need your presence. They need your power. They need your forgiveness. Now, God, would you show me that you're working? Just give me a glimpse. Hide me behind the rock and give me a little glimpse through your fingers to see the back of your hand that's answering the prayers that I'm praying. Show up, oh God. Two aspects, by the way, of God's glory is his power and his majesty. Now, I don't have time to develop this, but when you see his glory, you see his power. You see his majesty. And you know what happens when you begin to see God's glory? You begin to praise him. You begin to praise him. You begin to sing louder. You begin to feel this wealth in your soul that just wells up within you. And you start giving God all the glory and all the majesty and all the wonder that he deserves. And you want more of him. And then that leads you to this idea of radiance. Oh, I don't have a lot of time here, but catch this last thing before you go today. I know our children's ministry have got to go to work. God bless you, kids' ministry. But Moses goes back to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments the second time. Because remember, God breaks the Ten Commandments the first time. 
He goes back up on the mountain after he prays this prayer. And the scripture says that he spends time with the Lord. And he receives and he comes back down the mountain. And notice what it says. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. As you walk with God, and you, you have this intimate, personal relationship, you've got your prayer closet, you've got your personal times of interceding on the Lord's presence and power, you sense the presence of God with you as you read, as you worship privately, you come out of those private experiences dramatically different. Remember what I said, prayer always affects you before it affects others? Your continence, your attitude, your presence, your, your demeanor, your priorities, your, everything about you is radically changed as you are spending in time in prayer praying for others. To the place that people go, man, you're weird. You're strange. You got this nice beard and this nice hat, but there's something about you. You, 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 there, you got a radiance about you that I don't quite understand. In the New Testament, in Acts, they actually said to, to Peter and Paul, Peter, he said, they recognized that these men, these ordinary men, had been with Jesus, Mike. They had been with Jesus. And as they spent time with Jesus, their life was radically changed from the inside out. So here's my prayer this week. We're not going to sing, guys, because I've taken too much time. Here's my prayer, and I want you to pray it this week. Lord, teach me to know you and to know your ways and know your favor. Help me to walk in your presence and your peace. And show me your glory, your power, your majesty, so that my life is filled with radiance of the glory of God. Amen? That's a dangerous prayer. God's calling you to pray this week. So let's stand together. I wish people would be quiet up there in that foyer and respectful of our church service. It's like they don't even realize what's going on down here. By the way, the wall is coming. Praise God, amen. The elevator is coming. Praise God, amen. And as you leave today, would you, would you if you're able to, visit the offering boxes? Let's show the glory of God, amen, through our obedience. Would you pick up a small groups card? Would you go over here and meet with the World Vision team? Join a team. Get on the move. Amen. God bless you all.